Happy Black Friday, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Hoops and Chill with Candace Evans. It feels good to officially be able to say I have a handful of episodes. I know that doesn't mean much, but it meant a lot to me. Today's episode is going to be all about college hoops. Once again, we are in the middle of Feast Week and we have some exciting games popping off right now as we speak. Before we can touch any of that, we're going to dive into the headlines from earlier this week. Pelicans guard CJ McCollum has entered health and safety protocols and is listed out tonight versus the Memphis Grizzlies. The NBA has suspended Lakers guard Patrick Beverly for three games for shoving Suns center DeAndre Aiden from behind, knocking him to the court. The length of the suspension is based in part due to Beverly's history of unsportsmanlike acts, according to the NBA. So if we all recall, when Beverly was with the Clippers and they were on the verge of elimination to the Suns, this very same Suns team, he shoved Chris Paul in the back and Chris Paul took a very hard fall. In this game, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and I don't want Devin Booker's role in all of this to be overlooked, they were taunting Austin Reeves, who was on the floor after a hard foul by Booker that wasn't called in real time. In the moment, Booker slapped Austin Reeves in the face. Austin fell, holding his face. Booker stood over him saying something. Ayton walks over. He wasn't even in the play. He walks over and is standing over Austin Reeves, talking mess. Beverly and Anthony Davis walked over, and then Beverly just charged him and pushed him. He fell over Reeves, so I don't even think the push was hard enough to make him fall if Austin Reeves wasn't laying on the ground. But most of NBA Twitter felt that Beverly was defending his teammate. That's his job. That's why he's on the team. That's how all Laker fans, Laker players, sports fans, that's how everyone took it. At this point, no one likes the Suns. They're annoying as hell. Number 14, Maryland women's basketball was upset this morning by unranked DePaul, 76-67. to This is Maryland's second loss of the season. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both out indefinitely with ankle and knee injuries. The Golden State Warriors have made inquiries about Pistons forward Sadiq Bey and Suns forward Jay Crowder. The Minnesota Lynx forward Natalie Ochanwa announced she is pregnant via Instagram which is gorgeous, but it also makes her likely unavailable for a portion of the Lynx season. The Miami Heat have made Duncan Robinson available in trade talks. And this next piece of news for our headlines segment may be triggering to some. A basketball trainer who previously worked with Kevin Durant and other NBA stars was arrested Friday in Rhode Island on a fugitive from justice charge stemming from a warrant for rape and drugging for intercourse in an alleged incident in downtown Boston. Rob McClanahan, 43, was taken into custody without incident in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, after being pulled over by the Boston Police Fugitive Unit. He spent Friday night at the Warwick Police Department before being held at a correctional facility in Cranston, Rhode Island on Saturday and Sunday. Warwick Police said he appeared in Rhode Island's 3rd District Court on Monday when he did not contest extradition. He is being held without bail. Five years ago today, Alabama had to play the final 10 minutes of a game with just three players. They outscored Minnesota 30-22 in that frame. Colin Sexton scored 31 of his 40 points in the second half. And if you don't recall, because 
I think this is the best part of that story. They had to play the final 10 minutes of the game with just three players because it was a big old team fight and half their team ran onto the court from the bench. So that was fun. Looking to up your shoe game this holiday season? Run over to Unapologetic Sports on Instagram for custom Air Force Ones and NBA sneaker designs. Doesn't matter your team or shoe size. Unapologetic has you covered to be a fan in the most unapologetic fashion. Again, that's unapologetic underscore sports on Instagram to build up your custom Air Force One collection this holiday season. The best fans are the ones who are unapologetic. Follow and shop at Unapologetic Sports on Instagram at unapologetic underscore sports. It's funny. I have to read that promotion off and they have so many cool Air Force Ones. I've actually copped a few because I am a sneaker head. But I have actually never gone Black Friday shopping in person. And I'm a big shopper. I think my parents, they rolled that antisocial vibe before it became popular. So we always avoided large crowds and chaos in my household growing up. So I was raised to basically shop online. And today I'm going to check out our sponsor and throw my money there, but that's still online. While doing that, I've been eating leftovers and watching the rest of Feast Week. Right now, my North Carolina Tar Heels and Iowa State are in a very close game. We are up at half, but we should not have been up at half. But I will be breaking that game and more down on Monday. So we're just going to leave my rant for then. Follow Hoos and Chill with Candace Evans on Instagram to see the breakdown of that game. Later, more games. We have Gonzaga. We have Kansas. Earlier, Duke beat Xavier. Duke, I actually thought they were going to whop Xavier side the head. But, man, they have just been itching out these close wins. They shouldn't have beat Oregon State yesterday. Oregon State should have got Duke. They had the game one, poor shot selection, did Oregon State in. And I actually expected Duke to bounce back because usually after a tough matchup, good teams bounce back and want to make a statement. And Duke had moments where they could have pulled away, but an untimely turnover, bad shot selection, poor offensive choice kept Xavier within striking distance. I will say they did lock down on defense in the final two minutes. They got the right stops and they pulled the game out. But this isn't, uh, it's not how we usually feel about Duke teams. Usually it's Duke teams. If you have a dry spell against them, they're going to bury you. Xavier had plenty of dry spells in this game and never got down by more than 11. Tennessee plays Kansas at 430 today. Kansas is the one and a half point favorites to win the game, according to Bet Online. Kansas, Kansas has looked very good to start the year off. They've been able to manufacture good looks at all three levels, and they have shown they have a second gear on defense. Tennessee, on the other hand, should have lost yesterday. USC had them on the ropes with momentum at the end of the game, but they choked the game off a poor shot selection by the same person. With all that said, Tennessee has shown the ability to win ugly games. And most people are like, what's that mean? That's not easy to do. When you're playing bad slash being outplayed, it's easy to get down and stay down. Tennessee isn't the team to fall into that. They keep coming at you. They could be bricking, 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 bricking. Well, they're still on a shoot. Defensively, you can be killing them. You could be getting a layup line on them. They're not going to put their heads down. Hell, they're going to foul the hell out of you on the next play. That resilience is going to be needed against this Kansas team. The key for Tennessee will be limiting limiting Jalen Wilson. He's averaging 24 points on the year and is the Kansas Jayhawks' most versatile player. 
His ability to affect to affect the game on both sides has led Kansas to their 6-0 start. And honestly, it led them to their national championship last year. It's not just about stopping him on the offensive end, which isn't an easy task. His jump shot has gotten better each year. His handle has gotten better, and he's always been good at finishing around the rim. But Tennessee is going to have to attack, attack him on defense, get him in foul trouble. Not only will it take him off the court, it will force him to change his approach to defense in late-game situations. He is Kansas' defensive anchor. I know when we say defensive anchor, we always think of the post of a post player because they're usually camping, camp down low. They're the ones talking, telling the guards where screens are coming from. But Wilson, he plays a quarterback-type position in their defense not only hawking the ball up and down on ball, meaning turning someone, guarding them on ball hard. Help side, he's the one talking. He's the one sometimes playing free safety, leaving his player to go for a run and jump in the half court. He's the one coming over for those weak side blocks. He's the one ending the defensive possession by grabbing a rebound. He is their most valuable player. Tennessee will have to limit him if they want a chance to win. UConn, Alabama tips off at 6 p.m. Alabama is a one-point favorite to win the game. Both are undefeated. Both are long. Alabama plays up and down and rely on their athleticism while UConn kills you from outside. UConn will have to limit Alabama's transition opportunities and second-chance points. Bama's going to have to defend that three-point line and keep UConn off, off the free-throw line. Purdue takes on Gonzaga at 8.30 p.m. The Zags are six-and-a-half-point favorites. They looked absolutely terrifying last night. Drew Timmy has taken a much-needed leap. He is looking like the early player to your favorite to me. He has the footwork of an old-school all-star big man. He passes like a modern-day stretch four. He is now leading transition breaks for the Zags. And Purdue is usually big. They're always big. They're big this year. So they can match him down low, but they cannot keep up with him in the open court. They also have to figure out how to limit Jay, how to limit Julian Schrother as a team. Gonzaga eats off of Drew Timmy kickouts when he's double teamed. Schrother has been doing his best Clay Thompson impression this year off of those kickouts. And he's been doing a very good Clay impression on the defensive end. Purdue is going to have to slow the game down, dominate down low, and that includes on the boards. And they're going to limit that three-point line. If they do this, they have a shot. And I'm just saying a shot. That doesn't mean they're going to win the game. If they do all that, they might still only lose by four because Gonzaga is looking really good right now. If they let it become a track meet, Gonzaga is going to blow them. It is going to be ugly. On the women's side, UConn women's basketball, the celebrity of UConn athletics, plays Duke at 3 p.m. UConn is looking to have a clean sweep and feast week, to have an opportunity to jump Stanford in the national rankings. Granted, Stanford's one loss came to, one loss on the year came to the best team in the country, but a loss is a loss. And if UConn remains undefeated, they have a good shot of jumping Stanford for second overall. At 530, Iowa takes on Oregon State. Iowa is ranked ninth in the country, while Oregon State isn't ranked, but Oregon State is not an easy win. The Pac-12 has been one of the best conferences in women's basketball, if not the best. Oregon can always Oregon State can always shoot. They are always long and they are always going to be battle tested. Iowa can't approach the game the same way they did in their Kansas State game. They have to come out with urgency from jump ball. If not, don't be shocked if Oregon will upset them because they can and they will. What block raised you? Whether you grew up on the streets of Crenshaw or on the drives of Rodale, avenues and boulevards have you covered on all your street style needs. 
Go to avsandboulevards.com to shop streetswear styles by Tennessee State alum Andre Edwards. That's avs, A-V-E-S, the letter N, boulevards, B-L-V-D.com to get your streetwear style. The Golden State Warriors, to me, have been the biggest shock of the season. They brought back their core, and they never trailed that core that never trailed in the series last season's championship run. They brought all those people back, all the main characters from that run. They have youth. They have Steph Curry playing MVP caliber basketball. But for some reason, they can't win road games. They have one, one road game, one, uno, single. And it was against a sucky Houston Rockets team. And it was a back and forth game for a team with the highest payroll in the NBA. That ain't cutting it. They have been superb at home, losing just one singular, uno, one game at home on the year. Tonight, they play the Utah Jazz. The Jazz have been most people's biggest shocker of the year, currently sitting a half game out of first place in the Western Conference. They traded away their stars, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and they haven't missed a step. They acquired Laurie Markkinen, who's been playing phenomenal. He's playing like an all-star. Mike Conley, always great. And he's been great this year. Good veteran leadership, quality point guard, hits open shots, gets the team situated. For the most part, good on defense. Gordon Clarkson, he has been his normal self. His normal self, Energizer Bunny, up and down, finishing at the rim, hitting open shots. Shot selection's actually been a little better this year, but you know what you get out of Jordan Clarkson. Vanderbilt, Olenek. Beasley, all phenomenal role players. They can play with anyone during the regular season. Will they spoil the Warriors' seven-home game winning streak? Perhaps. They are playing great basketball. The Warriors' defense has been inconsistent, especially when the second unit comes in. The Jazz has been explosive off the bench. I'd still take the Warriors minus seven and a half in this one, but man, man, I don't know if it's going to be that big of a margin. The Lakers are another team who have been playing very well as of late. They had a three-game winning streak prior to their loss to the Phoenix Suns. And even in their loss to the Suns, they played much better basketball. Since LeBron has been out, AD has gone on a scoring tear. Russell Westbrook already has been playing much better since coming off the bench. And now AD joined the party. They look great. He's doing better because he's been getting more touches in the paint. I will say he's getting more touches in the paint because LeBron was out. LeBron operates at his best when he can get downhill with a clear lane. This has always this, this has always been his MO. It's been true for him since 2003. Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, and now AD had to spot up and hit jump shots to adapt to playing with LeBron. Now that LeBron is older, he's not beating people off the dribble with ease. So it's taking more time off the shot clock for the offense to get something. This was forcing AD to just kind of sit and float around the three-point line. With LeBron out, Russell Westbrook became the primary ball handler in important stretches. And, love it or hate it, he's going to get downhill and he'll look for his teammates. Now, that might get you four to eight turnovers, but it's also getting 80 30-point double-doubles. With LeBron returning tonight, it'll be interesting how AD will adjust. Or will LeBron adjust? Maybe the offense should strictly go through AD, with LeBron playing off-ball as a cutter. It helps that the Spurs aren't a good team. So it's good that the Lakers can have LeBron's first game back against the Spurs. You can afford to have some wonky moments to try to get a feel for each other, to try to get reacclimated because you're not playing 
top NBA caliber team. The Lakers are some favorites for tonight's game at a minus 1.5, but it's really a toss-up. Both teams lack consistent shock-making. Both teams don't really play defense. They're they're both kind of bottom feeders. But I'll take the Lakers in this one solely because if AD plays like how he's been playing, he can get them over the hump. I saw the funniest thing on Twitter the other day. OKC did the kiss cam during a break and showed a young lady sitting with her male friend. Both of them were like, nah, she said that's my best friend. So I'm laughing like, oh, that's 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 cringe. That's embarrassing. But then I saw the quote tweets and the comments and everyone was saying that the young lady is Shay Gilders Alexander's girlfriend. That took me out. Your own man, your man's franchise trying to get you caught up. That's rough. One person said, and I quote, we're not beating the poverty franchise allegation. And honestly, nah. (laughs) But the Thunder are playing good for their standards. Shea Gilders Alexander is averaging 31 points on 51% shooting. They They aren't winning games like that, but he's showing that maybe it's time for OKC to stop tanking. Like, let's all keep it a buck. They have the pieces to maybe make the play in. They have a star that can maybe be an all-star. But they're tanking. Like, they're not serious. They're not being for real. They're in this weird zone where everyone knows they're tanking to build up the roster through draft, but somehow they're not getting fined for it. And I don't like that. Try to win games. And and then when you start winning games, don't hold Shea and Ludort out for no reason. Let them play. Let them try to make the play. And I think they can do it. Let's see. They play the Chicago Bulls, who have had their fair share of drama this season, especially surrounding Zach Levine. Zach's offense has been very up and down, and Billy Donovan, their head coach, decided to bench him a couple of times in late-game situations, and it worked out. But Zach Levine wasn't happy with that. And I feel like that's just a summary of who the Bulls are right now. They're one of those teams who felt good when you put them together, but fell apart as soon as you let them out. Lonzo Ball is still out with a knee injury that may ruin his career forever. Their post is versatile while not being versatile. Like, Nikolai Vucevic is good. But he doesn't play defense. He isn't a knockdown shooter like we all kind of thought he was, and he actually doesn't finish down low at the clip most assumed. Their backcourt guards are good, but they're not playoff closer good. DeMar can go bucket for bucket with, like, Jason Tatum, John Morant, Steph, Giannis. Hell, I'll even throw in Jimmy Butler in there. He's not on their level. Zach Levine is inconsistent and really doesn't play defense. It's rough. They were put together to be a contender, but they're more like a 6 seed low-key playing team. I expect OKC to push Chicago, but I'll still take Chicago minus 3.5 in this one. The Nuggets and Clippers are tonight's nationally televised game on NBA TV. The Nuggets are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Both Kawhi and Paul George are out indefinitely. The Nuggets have been pretty quiet this year. They're another team in a weird space. They have the MVP. They have the role players. and But the MVP and the role players don't jump off the screen like other MVPs and their role players. I think in part because Nikolai Jokic is a post player. So he doesn't initiate the offense the same way like a Giannis and Steph can. Tonight, however, I expect them to get the win over the Clippers. The Clips have been asking a lot out of their role players in the last three seasons. One minute, you're riding the bench. The next minute, the offense can be running through you. It's been a roller coaster due to injuries and bad luck with COVID. The season, this season, they've struggled trying to adapt on the fly. While it's early, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't have the same success they've had in past years juggling the rotation because it's not 
what you expect of role players. You're asking too much of role players. You can't ask a guy who is usually the F option. So, hey, it's not going to be the B option. It's tomorrow, maybe F again. And then the next day, I might need you to be a C. That's hard. You're asking a lot. And this does, life doesn't go that way. I saw a very interesting interview regarding women's basketball. And it made me think of the difference between Broadway stars and movie stars. Broadway, to me, is the purest form of acting. You have to know your lines 100%. Your facial expressions, your tone, everything has to be practically perfect. Actually, no, it has to be perfect. One mistake, and it is obvious, and you cannot take it back. There is no cut. You cannot run and be like, oh, call line. No, you have to be on your P's and Q's to act on Broadway. Whereas movie stars, they are extremely just as talented. And they're amazing. Don't get me wrong. But they have more grace. They have CGI. They have their stuntmen. They have, you know, ooh, what was my line? <laughs> they can do the call line. They have cut. They, they, they have more grace. If you've been paying attention to the drama on Twitter, superhero movies right now is everything. It's the big it's the big deal. It's the Marvel Universe. When we think of movie stars now, they're usually in a superhero movie. They're running around in a very tight jumpsuit trying to save the world from some alien who's trying to snap everyone out of existence. It's the Marvel Universe. It's Chris Evans running around in that suit throwing a frisbee with a stuntman. It's not to say Chris Evans doesn't have the same amount of talent as like a David Diggs. But it's to say what David Diggs has to do for Hamilton, to me, is more difficult than what Chris Evans has to do for Captain America. You can't rely on a stuntman or post-production edits or cut what's my line when you're on Broadway. You have to get it right and you have to be perfect. There was an episode on Z-Way on Showtime where she has Michael Shea or Ms. Michael Shea. We're going to go with Shea. She has Michael Shea from SNL as her guest. She asked him to name five WNBA players and he couldn't do it. And he tried to be nice at first and clean it up and say that he would love for the WNBA to bring him out to a game so he can learn about their sport. And she just says, well, the sport is basketball. You know what? I don't even think I'm doing it enough justice. Just take a listen for yourself. I'm five WNBA players. Oh, I don't watch WNBA. I would love to watch it. But WNBA, if you're watching this, if you're watching me, first of all, thank you. Second... If you got tickets, I would love to go to a game so I can learn more about your sport and culture. The sport is basketball. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's a different... Yeah, I know about basketball, but I don't... Oh, it's I don't different like this. With, with women <laughs> dribble, it's different? It's, 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 it's different. Of course it's different. I think women and men are different, right? Can you describe their differences? Well, the ball is smaller, right? And there's no dunks. I know that much. Breaking news, nobody watches the WNBA. But you do have a lot of people in general, and I won't just say a lot of men and make it a all men versus women type thing. You have a lot of people who say that there's a difference between the WNBA and the NBA. You know, and it's hard to pinpoint what the difference is because it is the same sport, same concept, they're doing the same thing, but visually there is a difference. The difference to me is it's like the difference between Broadway and movies. In the NBA, men are biologically more athletic than women. Biologically. LeBron, Ja Morant, Donovan Mitchell, those guys are flying over the rim. While the game still does have 
phenomenal fundamentals. The best part for casual fans is the highlights. It's the dunks. It's the fancy crossovers hanging in the air for a Jamal Murray-style layup. And John Morant doing a 360 mid-air for a fast-break layup. Hell, it's Luka Doncic surprisingly climbing the ladder and dunking over Dwight Howard. That's exciting for casual fans. The casual fan wants to see that. The WNBA doesn't have that luxury because, again, and I keep saying the word biologically, women are biologically less athletic than men. A dunk in the WBA is is every now and then. And then when it happens, the dunks in the WNBA would be considered a quote-unquote weak dunk in the NBA. But that's the most you'll get in the WNBA on the traditional sense of quote-unquote flashy. So when you take out flashy explosives, the, the casual fan, and I keep saying the word casual fan, they aren't intrigued. Now, a real basketball fan, a deep hoops fan, they don't care about flashy. They just want to see good basketball. You want to see quality offense, the flex cuts, your horn sets, the hammer screens. The fundamentals that are in the WNBA are on par with the NBA. Some will say that it's actually more fundamentally sound because you can't rely on athleticism to bail you out. So their games, again, have to be full on fundamentals. Your footwork, your handle, your ball movement, your team basketball. It's not hero ball in the WNBA. It's a lot more team basketball. Historically speaking, when we talk about team basketball, it's not that sexy to the average casual fan. That's why the Utah Jazz were branded as boring under Jerry Sloan. Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs, redeemed boring because they ran their offense. It was team basketball. It wasn't based in flash. It was based in fundamentals and getting the best shot possible. On Broadway, fundamentals of acting have to be perfect when the show begins or everything is ruined. The WNBA, fundamentals have to be practically perfect because your athleticism is not going to cover it up. In both realms, notoriety, public-wise, is less than compared to the counterpart. For Broadway, the counterpart is movie stars. And they don't get the same recognition, generally speaking. Broadway stars aren't household names in the same way that movie stars are. And WNBA players are not household names in the same way NBA players are. And that's just the truth. There's a style in Broadway, WNBA, their style isn't as sexy to cat to the casual viewer. Is it right? No. But is it the truth? Yes. So we're going to look at the world according to B.O. Bet online. We're going to look at the NCAA championship favorite on the men and women's side. As of now, Houston is the favorite to win the NCAA Men's March Madness Tournament, according to Bet Online, at plus 750. After Houston, it is Gonzaga, the Bulldogs, at plus 1200. Next up is Baylor at plus 1200, following Baylor's Texas is plus 1200 as well, finishing off the top five is my North Carolina Tar Heels at a plus 1400. This is pretty trash, in my opinion. Houston is nice, but are they playing better than Gonzaga right now? Like, let's be for real. No. Have they shown that level of play in the tournament consistently to get the benefit of the doubt? No. Are they just, are they even playing as good as Kansas right now? Hell no. But that's the beauty of college basketball. There is never a heavy favorite or correct choice this early. Hell, there usually isn't even a favorite up until like the Elite Eight, if we're being honest. But I will say, I know Houston isn't going to be there. Of the teams in the top five, I'd say Baylor and Gonzaga have the best odds, and Kansas should be there. 
They are the defending champs, and they are 6-0 and against quality competition, and they have looked phenomenal. Bet Online doesn't have a women's basketball section, which kind of sucks. So we're heading over to gambling sites for our NCAA women's basketball odds. On the women's side, South Carolina is the early favorites to repeat at plus 150. Stanford is trailing behind at plus 500. Iowa is next at plus 600. Tennessee is after that at plus 800. Texas rounds out the top five at plus 1,000. Who made this list? Please step forward. Because why are Iowa and Tennessee favorites? Have you seen them play recently? Be for real. I don't care if Gino Ariyama has a YMCA squad starting and a bench full of sixth grade travel ball players. As long as he is breathing, UConn is a top five favorite. Iowa State has been a better program than Iowa for like five years now. Ohio State has been better than Tennessee. Just about every team in the top 25 has been better than Tennessee. This tells me that women's basketball isn't being consumed by the people making these type of lists. It's like during the WNBA season, there was this crazy story. And I'm going to preface it by saying I know the girl I talk, I'm talk, about to talk about. I know her personally. She is a phenomenal girl. She is a hooper. I love her. But the truth is the truth. So during the WNBA season, when it towards the end of the season and they're making the all-rookie teams, all-defensive teams, you know, the AP released their versions of this. The all-rookie team excluded just about every rookie who was actually leading rook- the rookies in categories, except for, of course, the rookie of the year. And there was one rookie on there, a good friend of mine, Sam Thompson of the Phoenix Mercury, made the AP all-rookie team. She literally averaged a donut in almost every category and barely played, but her team made the playoffs. She was a rookie on a team that made the playoffs, even though, but she did not play. Averaged a donut, barely saw any sunshine. There were rookies who were starters and key contributors on other teams, on teams that barely missed the playoffs where it came down to the final day. So in the NBA, that would be the equivalent to a playing team. They didn't make the list. So what it said was, whoever made this list, whoever, the group of people who did these votes, they didn't watch the actual WNBA season. They just looked at teams who made the playoffs, looked for rookies on each team, and that's who made the list, excluding the rookie of the year who had, it was already announced by the WNBA before those lists were even made. So voila, you already know, oh, well, I know she was good. And that is a shame. Because this past WNBA season was great. The early parts of this NCAA women's basketball season have been great. If you just watched the NCAA March Madness last season and saw who was coming back, you know some of the teams on this list should not have been there. And if you had watched, you'd have known last year NCAA women's basketball was great. Women's basketball deserves better. And they deserve more past all the commercials. You should invest in women. You should watch women and watch me work. And everyone, we just, the problem is men aren't watching. These companies have to invest in it. 
Like uh, right now, we were trying to find UCLA women's basketball. And we have the Pac-12 network. And I will say the Pac-12 network is lacking compared to every other network. At this point, heck, I, I think Black Sports Online is a better network than the Pac-12 network. But still, we have it because you want to support the Pac-12. They are showing an old UCLA men's basketball game that wasn't even that exciting over a live UCLA women's basketball game. And they have done that multiple times throughout the year, this early season. UCLA women's women's basketball is rated 20th in the country. They have been more successful than a men's basketball team in the past 10 years. And yet, they could have a game at home in Poly Pavilion, and it will not be on the Pac-12 network. Instead, it'll be a rerun of an old men's game. Or it'll be nothing. They've had times where they're just off air. They've had times where they're showing other Pac-12 teams, whereas Pac-12 Los Angeles, and they're showing a Cal Berkeley documentary? That's lame. But then they wonder, wow, people people aren't watching. You're not giving them the opportunity to. And it's unfortunate. It really starts from people like me who are in the actual media industry. We have to do better instead of yelling at the fans, instead of yelling at NBA fans. Why aren't you guys watching? Because there's some who aren't just casual fans who want to just see good basketball, but they're not going to go out their way to make a f- account on Flow Hoops so it can buffer and be blurry to watch women's basketball. They're not doing that. They aren't even doing that for men's mid-majors. Let's, let's be, be for real. Instead of saying fans need to invest in women, it's really these companies need to invest in women's sports. That is all I have for you today. I will be back Monday for our sixth episode of Hoops and Chill. Until then... And always be safe and make good bets.